Welcome to Disney Minus. My name is Chris Sharp. We have a special episode for you today. Uh, law school classmate and friend of the program, Abby Sunberg, is here today. The movie we're doing this week is Moana, so enjoy. Okay, so Moana came out in 2016. It had a $150 million budget and made $690 million. Holy shit. One of their most successful movies. So then um, the plot, if you haven't seen it, like I say every week, you uh, probably should. This one especially you should really see. Um, so Moana is born in Pacific Island culture. She's born on this island. We're kind of introduced to the fact that Maui had stolen the heart of the ocean from Tafiti, and this caused all the islands to slowly start dying. And the grandma is like, someday someone's going to take it back. Well, that someone is Moana. And uh, basically once her grandma passes away, she gets to leave the island after her dad's kind of like, don't leave. He had a really negative experience early in his life trying to leave the ocean. And everyone on the island stays on the island. But Moana feels herself getting called out. So after her grandma passed away and tells her, go return the heart, she goes on the mission to find Maui. And that's kind of where the movie goes. Um, spoiler alert, they do return the heart of the ocean. The journey's amazing. And now I'm going to go to my co-host, Abby. Uh, what can't you let go after re-watching this? Yeah, so first off, fantastic film um, all the way through. I think what struck me most about this viewing of Moana for me is how similar it is to Mulan. It's it's uh, it's the adventure that she literally leaves for like in the middle of the night against her father's wishes um, to find her, well, to help her family like for the greater good, but also like finds herself in the process, even though herself was someone that she was told she couldn't be. She's got a zany grandmother that's really wise. Um, to me, there was a lot of parallels that I I didn't realize until this viewing. So. Yeah, and the good thing about like Moana too, which is like obviously it helps it came out in 2016, but they don't whitewash the voice cast. Like they actually do a really good job. Like shout out to Moana for actually like having people that actually are Pacific Island descent to voice these people. Like they did such a good job with the voice cast. That's what struck me the most is everyone was just perfectly cast in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. And that's what I think is going to make it really hard when we later on talk about um, who to cast for live action. Because you kind of can't go outside. Like they, they were also perfectly cast. So, but that's for a later time. Struck me about this one. Um, Disney has just recently started doing this, which I love. Is for their like protagonists or female protagonists that have long hair. They allow them to put their hair up into a ponytail when things get real, which is how all girls in real life operate. So I really appreciate that they are finally letting us have that one instead of like no 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 you can do everything with your luscious hair down and not in your face at all yeah when when shit's about to get real with Takah, she puts it up in the bun at the top and she she's not fucking around Maui. as does Maui. he's got it in a nice little ballerina bun yeah. so it's not it's it's both sexes i was gonna ask you this because this is what i kept thinking other so for me this and the lion king are the best disney movies i've probably ever seen where i like have no problems do you think this is the best disney movie ever because i think that's a legitimate conversation with this movie that's yeah okay so you know that i'm partial to hercules which you absolutely trashed in your first episode which i it was i found personally offensive um but i i mean yeah this is definitely in the conversation i would say this one and the lion king is probably like everyone's favorite um but because i'm different i'm gonna say hercules is mine 
gets like a million extra points for being um, all of its music being written by Lin Manuel Miranda. So. Yeah, that's my my whole thing is the music. It's probably the best soundtrack, like complete soundtrack, like ever. Like, there's not one song where I was like, oh, like I don't really want to listen to this. And um, I also think it's really interesting. Um, we can talk about this too, I guess, because I was thinking about this a lot. There's not, I mean, Takaz the villain in the movie, but we find out like not really a villain. So really, there's no true villain for this movie, and yet it still moves forward so much because you're so invested in kind of Moana's self journey. I was trying to think of other Disney movies where there wasn't like a true like anti-hero, and in this one, like you kind of have the you know there's the crab and Taka, but no one no one really as a villain. No, and even the crab, yeah, he's kind of more of a fun villain, just there for the villain song. I think Frozen 2, there's an argument to be made that that also doesn't have. Have you seen that one yet? See, Frozen 2, though, I'm not going to see. See, we're going we're gonna to get into sequels later, but I, I haven't seen Frozen 2. I don't really want to see Frozen 2, so I don't even, I, I just. That's wrong. You should absolutely see Frozen 2. It's fantastic. It was not given enough credit. Um, and that one is more plot driven and not as much. It's another story of, like, the protagonist against the elements and, like, trying to prevent an inevitable collapse of their... You know what? Now that I'm, like, describing it, also very similar to Moana. Um, they just they start recycling their they start recycling their stuff because you think about like Hercules your fave like Hades is a badass like you were introduced right away that this dude is evil Lion King Scar is badish he murders Mufasa's dad I like every single movie that Disney's done that at least I can think of other than Frozen 2 which I haven't seen is basically very like villain driven where it's like our hero's mission is to defeat the villain where in Moana it's basically like the hero's mission is to find herself and finally like basically find her people's self. Yeah, exactly. Like she's trying to push forward her people. She is aware that like her people used to be away and now they're not. And that's like sad. And she's trying to like, it's a really cool, it's actually a really cool thing. The more you think about it. It's a story about inner demons and honestly dynamics with one's parents. I think this is another one, which Disney often dives into, but this one, especially we've got that tension of going against your parents' wishes I was going to ask you, so my big, my like one bugaboo and kind of the last thing I had written down for this is, are the pig and the chicken necessary? Like, that's the one thing where I was just kind of like, eh, you know, the pig like is very involved in like the first act. And then like once she gets on the boat, he's gone. But it was just to sell toys. And then the little chicken is kind of supposed to be comic relief. But you could have done everything without the, that was the one thing where I was kind of like rolling my eyes. No, you you need a cute sidekick for every Disney princess or prince. That's just, it's a requirement. And later on again, we're going to talk about, like, if we want a sequel. Which, can we just talk about that right now? Let's get that out of the way, if we may. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so we're just gonna we're gonna we were gonna save this for later, but we're just gonna dive in now. So instead of doing is there a straight to DVD sequel, which is one of our favorite things, we're just gonna do for this one came out so recently, do we want a sequel? And if so, how would Abby and I write that sequel? Personally, I, I hate sequels, so I'm I'm team no. Abby seems to have a different opinion. No, 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 I'm team no sequel, but I am instead of a sequel, I would like a short that is centered around the pig and the chicken. That's what I think we need. Um, I think it would be wholesome. I think there's a lot of comedy there um, and kind of an unlikely friendship between the two of them. I don't need a sequel, though. I think they said what they needed to say, and at that point, it'd just be like double-dipping for money, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they didn't... 
the only way I could like maybe get behind a sequel is if, I mean, you'd basically the only route you could go is, okay, now we're Voyagers. Um, we're struggling with like training all the people to be Voyagers and maybe like Maui's struggling with self-identity now that he's not a hero. Like, I guess that's kind of the only way I could see it going. But it, like you said, I feel like everything was said that was need to be said. It would just like frozen two to me. Like after the end of frozen one, I don't want to just shit on frozen two, but like frozen one at the end, I was like, Oh, like, okay, good. Like we tied up the loose ends. I'm fine. And then frozen two seemed like when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, like this is a money grab. No, and yes, that's fair. But I actually, I had low expectations going into frozen two and I thought it far exceeded my expectations. Because it was more, it created more questions than I thought that there were. For this one, I think it would just be the same as Frozen 2, though, because it, it would have, the sequel to Moana would have to be centered around, like, Moana leading in this new way. And I'm just not as interested in that story. And plus, I feel like you almost are, like, forced to introduce, like, a love interest, like, just societal pressure would be, like, Moana 2. They're like, hey, we want to, like get this shit going like give us give us a boyfriend give us like a chief of one of the villages she gets and then there's rivalry there with like the dads or something you know and it'd be so cliche and part of the cool thing about Moana which is kind of distinct from Mulan is because Mulan I feel like they really wanted to go like hey here's a badass woman that doesn't need any man but it was 1997 or 8 and they were kind of like we need a prince and here and so here they're just like fuck it like we're gonna we're all in on we're going to have no love interest for her, which is sick. Yeah, I saw in line two people talking about that they were happy that she didn't have a love interest in this one, which, yeah, right on. Um, but then they were like, she could have ended up with Maui, but that I'm happy that they didn't do that. I didn't get those vibes at all. Like, they were even hinting at that. That was so not the dynamic between the two of them that it, like, deeply disturbed me. <laughs> Fuck the, fuck the internet for that. Also, he's like, she's, what, 16, 17? He's, like, 10,000? Yeah, he's ancient. The fact that that was even a conversation. I was like, you guys watched a very different movie than I just observed. Yeah, I definitely got, like, a Big Brother vibe. Like, the whole thing is very much like, hey, like, I'm going to teach you to sail. Like, this is how you do this thing. Like, there was no sexual undertones in any of their interactions. As there shouldn't have been. That's, yeah, that's not... Disney clearly made a concerted effort in Moana to represent the female protagonist in a different way that they have before. This is another example. This is like pretty much the first time that I've seen where Disney princess proportions look realistic. <laughs> that's a that's a super good point. Yeah. Up until this point, we have like Barbie dolls basically, and in Frozen we get a little bit better. But I think this one, I think Moana looks like a real woman. Still, obviously stunning, but you know it's um. It's more realistic. Yeah, you're not. I, I'm not going to shit on Hercules anymore, but that was a big part of the Hercules podcast, which is Meg's body dimensions would basically make it impossible for her to have any internal organs. And I think, yeah, basically, like almost every, like, anime, especially when we were growing up, like, shout out 95 babies and 96 babies, like, DreamWorks, like, if you watch, like, um, The Road to El Dorado and stuff, um, the love interest in that, her body dimensions make no sense either. Like, there was this huge sexualization of, like, basically any female that was in there where it's basically like you had to be the curviest person alive and Moana I agree with you I didn't really think about it but it's cool to just see someone with like a normal body who's like a normal person experiencing normal things and guess what sometimes you don't need a man to save you sometimes you can do shit yourself like that was cool I completely 
agree. Her hips looked like a reasonable size given her shoulders. Uh, I felt like that was very important. She didn't have, like, twigs for her legs. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but in this case, let's get some diverse representation here, and I think that's what Maul did. I, know, I feel like the next generation of Disney movie, it'd be cool to see like kind of like just a heavier set Disney princess. You know, I feel like it's 2020, like at some point, like we can just get it to where we like are representing all body types in a Disney movie. Yes, let's get diverse in all of the ways. I think they're moving in that direction. They have to. Yeah, I think I think they know, like especially in like world culture, I think they know they have to. So uh, for biggest what if, I basically just had like a couple things. I had what if the grandma's just like fuck it, I'm gonna make the journey. She gets to she basically has been holding the heart of the ocean since Moana was a baby. She seems to like pretty much she's el- older. She knows where he's at. I kind of just want to see the movie where grandma says fuck it, I'm gonna steal this thing from my granddaughter. I love the grandma so much. I kind of would love that journey. That's my one critique, too. I would like way more of the grandma in this film, but I go back and forth between being like, I want more grandma, give me all the grandma, and then also I really, really like, though, when she comes in at the very, like, a pivotal moment where Moana's like, no, this is me, this is who I am, let's step into it, let's own it. So, I don't know, I go back and forth between, like, they held off just the right amount on grandma to utilize her to her full potential versus, like, I would just like all the grandma. Yeah, and I think my other thing that I had written down for biggest what if is like, what if Maui just knew how to make a boat on the island? Like the entire time he's just like there for fucking years. He's a demigod. There's no driftwood. Like Tom Hanks got off a fucking island and cast away. He was a FedEx worker and a demigod can't somehow like make any boat. I want to know what if Maui just makes a boat and then just kind of like lives his life. Maybe does this journey solo. I also did say something that I thought about is she finds, this is a non sequitur, but she finds the boats from her ancestors, right? It, the, her grandma's like, yo, go find these boats. And she's like, bet, I'm going to do it. Goes, finds the boats. The boats look no different than the boats that they have now. How long, does the technology on this island, like, 0% advance? We never leave. We can't, we can't leave. Everything's perfect the way it is. Something. They gotta be doing something while they're there. I'm I'm thinking they're getting into the sciences and stuff still. I'm just I'm a little surprised that boat technology looks exactly the same centuries apart. Okay, that can get me right into my most racist, sexist, fascist moment. This movie, like we've been talking about, is super great. But my one thing, kind of, this government on this island is pretty problematic. Basically, it seems like you have this kind of oligarchy at the top. And the dad's basically forcing his teenage daughter into a very strong leadership position. Can we not have publicly held elections? Is there no one else other than this 15-year-old girl that can be like, oh, they're like, come up to her at one point really early in the first act. And they're like, hey, um the coconuts are dying like what do we do moana she's fucking 15 no one else can say let's cut down the trees and plant some over there yeah i mean i i think that's tough as well i know that's how some places do it but i'd be a little off put if there was a 15 year old that was like i don't want this fucking job and we were like but this is who we're putting all of our faith into she doesn't want this and you know there's some other 15 year old that's like put me in coach i'm ready let's go yeah, someone that's actually like working their ass off that's like really striving. That could be like the sequel is like someone that got fucked out of power positions by Moana seeks revenge. Yep, and then Moana goes off and saves the day again. It's always so easy for Moana. I don't know. There's something to be said. 
And I think, like you said, I think that's interesting. I think the island, it seems like they very much hate technology. I feel like they'd be very anti-evolution, like evolution, very anti-science. I bet they'd be anti-vaxxers because the dad's whole thing is like, everything's perfect the way it is. Like, we don't change. Like, we're not going to change. And that's probably why the ships all look the fucking same is because we're living, we've been living the same way for hundreds of years. And we're like, no, we just kind of plant our coconuts and, you know, everything's perfect here. Well, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for tradition, Chris, but I, yeah, I feel like they, they're stuck in their ways a little bit, which Moana breaks them out of, but I feel like it was more a personal vendetta thing for his, her dad, you know, like how much of it was the whole island being like, we don't want to change, and how much of it was just her dad that had one shitty experience and is now kind of hurting the whole island because of it, it seems like it's leadership choice it's like get over your dead friend we get it he died but at a certain point like therapy exists like his mom seems like she kind of also i was kind of curious like the mom or the grandma his mom like does she not talk to him about shit because it seems like she's just giving moana all this advice but the dad basically gets no advice that's like that kind of irritated me she she did her piece uh with her son and raising her son i think now she's like that's beyond the point of we're beyond the point of no return so he is is as he is so she just completely scraps him reparents on moana and you kind of talked about this for casting couch um for casting couch i literally just wrote perfect cast i don't need like i wouldn't change anything like let's just get this if we're gonna do the live action version let's fucking move that shit into overdrive let's get it while these people are still in the right age because with this one i wasn't looking at anyone and being like oh like I can't even think of it like the rock is perfect. She's perfect as Moana. I can't think of anyone else. Like maybe you change the voice of the crab. I, I can't think of the actor's name that does it, but maybe you change him. But other than that, I had, I had no complaints for once about like anything they did casting wise. No, I agree. And I even appreciate, um, them casting Nicole Scherzinger as Moana's mother. I think she did a pretty good job. Maybe we get more Pussycat Dolls featured in more Disney films. Maybe that's the lesson we take away from Moana. I I didn't even realize she was the mom. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, no, because she does such a flawlessly executed job that you wouldn't realize that she has, you know, Don't You With Your Girlfriend as her credits. She the, she does play like the mom and the mom and dad um, don't really have like a lot going on after like the first act. Like once we kind of get into like second act of like we hop on the boat. Um, I kind of wished they would have done like a flashback to the island, like really struggling and maybe seeing the parents struggling with the fact that their daughter has been gone for some. Yeah. I, and because I think if I remember right in Mulan, you kind of get at least like one or two little flashbacks of the parents being like holy shit, like, she's going to die. We never, once she's off, it's kind of just like she's gone and we don't get anything on the island until she returns. So that's something I would have liked to see. That's true, especially because this is apparently her father's, like, biggest fear is her dying because of this. You'd think that that would be more of a plot point, but maybe they're like, you know what, that story's been told as well, so not what we're going to focus on. Yeah, so did you have anyone else you would, like, sub in for any? I can't think – I don't think you can replace Moana. I don't think you can replace Maui. But do you have any, like, suggestions? If I had to put someone else in as Moana, and I wouldn't want to, but if I had to, um, I think Zendaya could, could pull off this role. Oh, that's, Zendaya is a good one. That's a, that's a really good choice. She's got the intensity. She's done musicals before. She's got a beautiful voice. Um, I think she 
I mean, she's a chops to pull off anything. I absolutely stand Zendaya. Everything she does is perfect. So in this role, I think she'd also be perfect. That'd be a fucking crazy like year for her. Is just like imagine like Euphoria season three in live action Moana as like her IMDb page. Like that'd be fucking sick. Yeah, and Spider Man. She's making all the money. She makes all the money. Yeah, I think I think Zendaya's thing is is probably like it'd be so hard to get her just because it'd be like she's done the whole Disney thing. She like that was how she got her like foot in the door of Hollywood. And now I feel like she, especially with Euphoria, she's making a very concerted effort to be like. I'm a fucking adult, like, here I am, that it'd be hard to be like, oh, you want to make this live-action Disney movie? It's a classic transition from Disney, like, sweetheart to an adult. But I think she's doing it much more gracefully than past Disney stars have done it. You know, she didn't fight against it like Miley Cyrus did in the same way, which I think there's something to be said about that. She did a very smart transition. Yeah, I mean, Zendaya... Team Zendaya all the way. She fucking kills anything she does. Euphoria, if you haven't seen it, watch Euphoria. She absolutely murders that role. I'd rather have, yeah, exactly. Like, Lindsay Lohan, like, drugs. Miley Cyrus, pretty sure drugs and alcohol. Like, yeah, Demi Lovato. I want her to be so healthy. I want her, I want all good things for Demi Lovato. But she had it real rough going from Disney to, actually, just throughout Disney, she had it real rough. Yeah, so we hope you stay safe, Zendaya. Just keep being a fake drug addict, and we'll be we'll be cool with you. Um, did you have any favorite adult jokes in this? I had a couple written down, but I'm inter- interested to see if you had any ones that stuck out. Well, I, the tweeting one was, yeah. I don't know, it was cute. It's not really like, it's not, I didn't feel like this movie had as many like super racy jokes as past Disney movies I have had. Um, but the little comment about like, if you use a bird to sign a, blank or something that's called tweeting that's cute yeah i had i had tweeting written down basically uh, i totally agree with what you said like this movie doesn't have like kind of those edgy adult jokes but there are still things that are funny like for an adult um and basically anything the grandma said i thought was that opening sequence with the grandma talking to the kids and she's basically telling them like we're all fucked and everyone's gonna die and monsters are coming like that was hilarious to me yeah i agree i'll give you that and I also thought that um, the crab, I thought he was really funny. Um, the fu- When he goes, I ate my grandma. She's like, my grandma gave me this necklace. He's like, I ate my grandma. Like, that was that was really good. I had that written down. Yeah, I really like the villain. Or, like, I've already discussed, he's not, like, a huge villain. But he's a villain in it. And I like that they made him more of a, um, like, source of comedic relief than a scary villain. And also, Shiny is one of my favorite Disney villain songs. Okay, so let's hop right that, that nice transition, Abby. That's why she's the best co-host in the game because best best song. I think this is a heavyweight battle between three songs for me. I had Shiny, How Far I'll Go, and You're Welcome. I had those three songs as like kind of like I you could put them in any order for me, but let's let's discuss. Okay, so I'm gonna agree with you on How Far I'll Go and um, Shiny. My third though would be I Am Moana. Uh, okay, that's a that's a good one. Builds that song builds, and you're crying by the time she says, "I am Moana." It's you you find yourself as she finds herself in that moment. So there's, and, but even the last, or I guess it's not the last song, the second to last song when she finally puts the heart in um, Tahiti. I guess gives it to her and makes her into what's the name of the? Well, she goes from Taka to Tafiti, but yeah. There we go. Thank you. Um, that song's super beautiful too. 
Yeah, that's, that's that's such like a when she just like looks at her heart and she's like oh swirlies and then she's like she looks at it and then like that like kind of like there's like a couple notes that kind of hit and it's just that 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 hits hard. My whole thing is you're welcome. I think it's really interesting to hear the rock singing and I think it's super catchy and like probably like how far I'll go is by far you're like holy shit this girl's got chops like just like from a musical standpoint like that's your one where you're like. Holy shit. Like, if I heard this on the radio, I'd be like, this person can sing. Shiny is a great villain song that's, like, kind of funny. But you're also really pushing Maui's, like, background. Because at that point, you don't know his parents had abandoned him. And they do kind of an interesting job of interjecting that in that song. So, if I had to... How Far I Go, I think, is, like, objectively just, like, the best song and one of the best, like, Disney songs ever. But, like, my personal favorite is You're Welcome. Like, I'll listen to that in the car and, like, it makes me happy. Yeah, You're Welcome is just an upbeat one, which is, I mean, it's cute. It's just not like, uh, there's just such like an array of depth from the music in this movie that I would rather go for a more dramatic song to cry to, you know, in the mirror to practice my crying than an upbeat one. But that's a personal choice, and I recognize that in myself. Yeah, I mean, like... You're Welcome definitely is like the most like shallow of songs where there's like no depth, no real like plot pushing forward at all. It's pretty much just like, hey, like you want to hear Maui's kind of a self-centered asshole? Here's your song. Like, here you go. And How Far I'll Go is just like this like epic. Like if you listen to How, how Far I'll Go before you work out, like you're ready to run through a fucking brick wall. Chris, let me tell you, I have done that. And it has yielded excellent workouts. <laughs> Just play the, Mo- play the Moana soundtrack. So we've kind of been talking about like how this is super woke. I think both of us pretty much agree. Our Disney princess woke or broke segment for this one, I think it's super woke. I did see some online research that like was really nitpicky about like the actual story of like Maui and how Maui wasn't like tattooed at all and wasn't like this big, thick kind of caricature of a Pacific Islander. So, I mean, there are people out there that think it's broke, I'm pretty sure. And I think they think it's better than other Disney movies. But I think there will always be people out there that will be like, you're not staying true to the origin story. Which is, that's fair. I mean, if there are people that are, I mean, I would have no idea whether or not this is accurate to the uh, Polynesian experience. So, I hope that Disney did their research on that. It's, for me, it seemed kind of nitpicky um, just in the research. I think you have to realize that, like, you're taking like these source materials from like usually adult sources and you're trying to commercially package it into something for kids. Like you're having songs like let's not take it too seriously. Like if your biggest nitpick is Maui's body type, like wasn't exactly a thing. It's like, okay, like finally at least like a male in this is body types, like more fucked up than like the female. Like, I think that's progress. <laughs> yeah. One step forward or two steps forward, one step back is kind of, uh, the take there but i mean also this this uh character is voiced by the rock so i mean that is his body that's his literal body it's pretty perfect um so maybe next time we we don't make the male protagonist as chiseled but that's yeah, feels a little nitpicky. And I also the coconut things. I was trying to figure out what I thought about like the little coconut pirate things because I can't tell if I think those are. I don't. I was kind of like at first I'm like if I'm like really looking, is that culturally offensive? I like not really sure what they're doing. I was kind of like these little coconut pirate things are like they just confuse me. I wasn't sure how I felt about it, so I was just, I was really confused on how I should feel. 
Yeah, I, I would like to see all of the um, research you've done in terms of people being offended by it, because now I'm kind of like, damn, should I be more offended by this film? But, you know, I can only look at it through my own personal lens. So. I know, and I'm never, I'm not offended by any of this stuff. This is just me just trying, like, to fill this segment, because I think we, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to keep it real, and Woke or Broke is fun, but I think we pretty much universally think this is probably this is probably the most woke thing Disney's done. I think collectively. Disney knows that it has to be woke in order to make money now. So, well, I mean, to a certain extent, they've gotten a lot of backlash from like celebrities saying like, "I don't let my daughters watch Disney movies because they're so bad for their self-esteem," and that might be so. Maybe I hate myself because of my love for Disney films. I who knows? Who's to say? I'm looking really forward the Little Mermaid one that I do eventually. Like I'm really excited for that because that I rewatched that re- that movie is aged terribly, but that's that's for another day. And now it's time for a word from one of our sponsors. Do you like collecting shiny things and cephalopods? If so, come on down to Tomatoa's Antique Shop located at the bottom of the Monsters Lair and Third Street. Come down. Um, so for rewrite, um, this is kind of a new thing uh, we're just doing. So would you rewrite anything, I guess, or how, what would your rewrite look like? No. If I was going to rewrite anything, and this feels very minute, I would maybe shorten up the time in which Moana and Maui like clash and are like, I don't want to help you. No, you have to help me, or I don't want your help. I, well, I don't want to help you. That part just feels a little bit long. Like I'd rather than just like get to, all right, we're going to work as a team here. Let's go get my hook. I guess that's the one part that I'm like, all right, let's let's get going here. See, I think my rewrite would be like I'd basically get rid of the coconut battle because outside of like anything, I just kind of thought like it wasn't really necessary. I mean, I guess you kind of have to get Maui to respect Moana's like badassness, and that's a precursor. But we also get that from her jumping into the realm of monsters, where he's like, oh shit, like you did that. So the whole coconut battle thing, I definitely. If my rewrite, like we talked about earlier, would basically be like cutting to a scene of the parents back on the island at that point, just like being distraught about her being gone. And then we still get like Maui respecting her when she jumps in the realm of monsters. So I think I just saved the movie. I think that maybe, uh, and also more crap. I could have used more crap. I could have used like one more scene with him. I, I could not agree more. That an underutilized character, absolutely. I would love more crap. Maybe you could have. I think we could do. I think we could do it to where basically, like, he's so pissed about being like kind of taken out in the realm of monsters. He leaves the realm of monsters, and then you basically have like Taka, like Maui's trying to fight Taka, and then Moana is also having to deal with the crab both at once. Because I think that's kind of that just heightens the stakes of the last battle. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be okay with that too. Overall, okay, but I'm gonna say in most movies, I don't really care about the battle. Like, yeah, I, I could care less about an exciting battle. So maybe more dialogue would be great there for me. But uh, overall, I do agree more crap. I don't because I think the battle thing, like the battle, isn't you basically have like the two battles where like the first one they just get fucked, and then the second one they also get fucked, but they realize like Moan is like, oh, this is. Taka is Tafiti light bulb and but Maui like when his hook's broken and he's basically willing to die for Moana and he's like that's that's pretty badass objectively yeah and honestly okay I guess the only other thing that I, I would add is I could watch that transformation of um Taka going to Tafiti Tafiti going to the final transformation thank you I could watch that for hours I could watch hours of all of her 
plants and hair growing via vegetation. I could watch that for days. So <laughs> I think I think when Moana puts her forehead against like Takaz's forehead, like that's that's just beautiful. Like that's just great content. That's what I cry to. I t- there's just so much good emotion in this film, and the solidarity there is is really beautiful between two two women. And it's really cool to see, like, Maui at the end also just kind of be like, because he basically is the reason, like, Tafiti's been totally stuck in this volcanic, terrible health state for God only knows how many years. And when he's, like, kind of doing his classic, like, little I'm the rock dick routine where he's like, hey, like, how you been, like, old friend? And, like, she just kind of gives him, like, the look, like, you better just fucking apologize. And he's like, I am so sorry. And then she's like, okay, you said the right word. Like, here's your hook back. Like, I really like that between the two of those two characters. Yeah, story of forgiveness. We got a lot of good messages coming out of this. Yeah, what's your what's your, what's your your one-word theme or, like, one-sentence theme of this movie? Oh, that's so difficult because I – well, I don't know because every, every character kind of has their own story – to be told, well, I guess it's really just Maui and Moana because Maui's is about like accepting your past um, and kind of not needing to please people. It's a people pleaser film where we're saying you don't need to please people, and that really spoke to me. And I have not learned that message yet. Um, and then for Moana, it's just like being bold enough to be yourself. So. I think everybody's thing is just like, you know, just be yourself. Don't try to be the person that other people want you to be. And I think that's kind of just underlying for like Moana and Maui. Like Maui is abandoned as a kid and he's just always trying to please other people and not thinking like, what makes Maui happy? And Moana basically in a similar way is like at a certain point in like that kind of intro song, you see her kind of just be like, like okay i don't really look to the ocean anymore like i'm just gonna be this like great chieftain and she kind of abandons who she is in the same way maui does and then kind of rediscovers herself and i think that's kind of the whole thing is like don't please other people just like be happy with be happy with whatever you want yeah be you you are enough that's true yeah and so what's your favorite okay so best and worst voice acting performance um so what's your what's your favorite what's your least favorite uh, you got to say something for least favorite because I know you don't want to and you have to. So you have to choose someone. Performance. There's not a weak performance here. Yeah, but I'm just saying your least favorite. Like if you could, it's like if you had to kill someone, who would you who would you get rid of? Who what's who's the voice actor? You're like, okay, we can get rid of you. You're disposable. And who's your favorite? Who's your favorite too? Okay, I really, I think the crab is my favorite vocal performance. He's just so much character in that big old show. Um, but like also the rock, the rock does a fantastic job throughout all of this, but he doesn't have as many, um, I don't know, little, uh, intricacies, you know, he's just kind of himself. So I don't think it was like that big of a stretch for him, which is the only reason I'm not giving him the full title. Um, least favorite, I guess would be, I guess it'd be Nicole Scherzinger, even though I already gave her a shout out for doing a great job, but like, you know, when it comes down to it that role can be done by a number of different people so i had the, i had the i just wrote the mom super replaceable so i mean because it's like i think the da- the dad gets so much more dialogue and the dad the father daughter relationship so much more important you could almost like like you could have had the mom like pass away in childbirth it's like a subplot and i think i 
Yeah, you could have done that and it would have been like, oh, like, okay, we're not really missing anything. My favorite is the grandma. I, I just love, like, everything that... I, I, like, really love the grandma. I mean, Moana, perfectly cast. The Rock, perfectly cast. But, like, for kind of, like, someone that probably didn't get as much appreciation as they think they should have from the movie, the the actor voice actress who did the grandma, like, shout out to you because you killed that. And you, like, especially a lot of emotion because there's a lot of, like, emotional scenes. She's dying. She's... Te- She's she's absolutely killed it. She made a big splash with a very limited amount of time. She's not in it for that long. Like she does not have that many lines, and yet you're still deeply affected by her. Oh yeah. When she comes back, like you already talked about this, but when she comes back at the end, when like Moana chucks the heart in, and like Ghost Grandma comes back, that part fucked me up. I was like, she brings the heat in that, like that, the subtlety of her, like just the subtlety and emotion coming through her voice. Because before she's kind of a little much, a little bit of a caricature. A lot of times she's like, I'm the village crazy lady, and but in that scene, you just get like this like real tone of like, hey, I'm giving you real advice, like I'm telling you what to do. Yeah, it goes from, like, silly Mulan's grandma to Grandmother Willow. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Bringing it all together. But, uh, yeah, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I cry to that moment a lot. So, yeah, she does a fantastic job because I'm an easy crier, but still, I cry a lot. She's she's really great. So, do you have any final thoughts uh, that you were that you haven't got to say yet about this? Any anything else you want to add? Um, I would just like to say that I'm really excited for what Lin Manuel Miranda brings to um, the live action Little Mermaid after seeing what he's done with Moana. Obviously, everything he touches is gold. Um, so I'm really excited to see how he um, makes those sound like different films since they are. Um, and also, I really love, just really quick, that Christopher uh, Jackson voiced the singing voice of Moana's father. I love that little Hamilton splash in there. Um, a little Easter egg for us Hamilton fans. Um, and his voice is superb and makes the opening song catchy as well. I mean, there's not a bad song on this movie, so. My, my basically, like, a couple things I still had. I, th- I thought... I didn't even mention this in sequel. I don't even know why. My under my final thoughts, there's like prequel being like how the culture was. Pre- like when you see those people on the boats earlier and they're singing that song. Like I don't want a sequel. We've already talked about that. But a prequel where you kind of see like the island culture like at its peak and then like collapse. Like that could be. It'd be a kind of darker Disney movie with like not as much hope. But like I, that's something I kind of like. Yeah, I like darker movies. That's definitely Pixar shit. So I had, and I would honestly like, if if Pixar was like, hey, like we're gonna make your shorts for you, and then maybe I could come around on the chicken and uh, little piggy thing. If Pixar did it, but if Disney did it, I don't think it would be good. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I think that is something worth exploring. Um, that I would put my own money into is that little short put in front of the next. I don't know, Incredibles three. Sign me up. Are they doing Incredibles three? You can't rule out any sequel for Disney. That's true. They are they are a bunch of money grubbers. Incredibles two came out like ten years after Incredibles one, so. But we needed Incred Incredibles two was super necessary. At some point, we'll do we'll do a pot on that. But we needed it. But so that wasn't as much a money grub as I was kind of like there has to be some internal shit going on where they're like we haven't made this. You mean that took them so? Long? Yeah. Yeah, there had to be some bureaucratic uh, bureaucracy things going on. I never thought like 
they were just like, hey, like we're going to make two – because they knew they could have made money off. It made so much money when it came out. I don't think they were suddenly like, hey, let's wait 10 years. That'll increase the money. I think there was just probably some internal bullshit going on or – Pixar's really committed to like having good stories, and maybe they just couldn't get a storyboard right. Well, there's going to be a hard-hitting documentary about that someday, so I look forward to the real story behind the wait to Incredibles 2. And, and that's how we end our Moana podcast, talking about Incredibles 2. I just want to thank Abby, a friend of the program, friend at law school, and movie aficionado for joining. Any final thoughts for... Thanks. Yeah, final thoughts from Abby here. My final thought is that I would like to provide justice to the muses after the absolute onslaught that Chris brought upon them for Incredibles. That's ridiculous. Um, They are such a creative way to tell a story, and they bring so much passion and just charisma to that film. So justice for the muses. Start a hashtag. I am irate. And that's why we let Abby say her piece, and that's why she's a great co-host. Uh Thanks, you guys, and we'll see you next week.